Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Time once again for the Built by Bama online podcast. Time for another installment of T. Watts and TR. It is the Wednesday morning of Western Carolina week. With that, I bring on the BOL publisher, Tim Watts. Tim, how you doing this morning? Hey, man, good, good. The weather's much better, so we got that working for us. I'm going to try to get outside a little bit today. Last week was insane. Said we talked, it was 70 on Monday, and we talked the next day, and it was like 32 was the high, or right around. We talked right around then. So they flipped it over and put us back in that 60, 70 range, so I'm going to try to get out and enjoy it. It's almost like SoCal in November around here the last few days, man. I mean, you can go just about anywhere in the country and not find mid-November weather as good as we've had here in uh, yeah. central Alabama. And that's what you had to worry about we were going to miss because we went straight from extremely hot to to we sort of missed that pocket. But it's good to see it circling back. I think it's like 70 the next couple of days, so it's good to see it circle back for us. Yeah, you know, we're going to get into your thoughts on the tuatonga Vailoa situation. Um, you know, the... The, the tough, tough blow that it is to this Alabama football team, but more importantly to Tua himself and the family and those things. Um, but I got to I gotta ask you about, uh, first and foremost, this recruiting class for the 2020 cycle into Alabama. Still got some official visit weekends, some big weekends, I guess, for the remaining slots in this 2020 class. So just kind of a 10,000-foot view as we head down the stretch here towards that early signing period, Tim, uh, how are things shaping up at this point? I think it's, I think they're going to have a good class. I mean, when you look, especially you want to start checking off needs, they needed a quarterback and they got one. They got the best quarterback in the country, in my opinion, probably the best player in the country. I think at this stage, it'd be surprising if he isn't, you know, you know, really considered for that number one spot in Bryce Young, also, they needed edge rushers. They needed guys. You can see the middle guys to get to the quarterback, and they've got guys like Drew Sanders, who's a fantastic five-star from Oklahoma. You've got, you know, you've got a, you've got linebackers you can run. So, you know, with Alabama, you know, the fans, it's always a roller coaster ride because you get that, you know, end of the season signing day happens in February. You get a ton of offers out. Alabama pushes for some kids, and then they get to spring and it goes quiet. And, you know, the fans, you know, we want a commitment, we want a commitment. Well, Alabama's usually sizing it up to get them to that summer camp where a lot of their offers go out. Then they get them, there's a flurry in the summer. Then the season starts and it slows down. And Alabama's not a big fan 
of having kids on official visits. Sometimes they have to, but, you know, they had a few official visitors. They felt they had to get in for the LSU game. It was a great environment. And it seems ideal, like from a fan's perspective, but from a recruit's perspective, it's a lot harder to get one-on-one time. Even with the top guy in the country or the five-star, there's only so much time to go around. And Alabama had 150 kids on campus and some officials. So really what we're looking at is the season's tapering down here. They're about to, you know, they're about to have some time off. They'll be off for the uh, extra week to recruit for Alabama is going to be huge because they won't be in the SEC championship game. So Nick Saban will be out on the road and, you know, I, I'm expecting them to have a good class. And, and, and I know there's a lot of talk about the, you know, other classes doing well, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, whoever. O's getting everybody. O's getting everybody, Tim. This is this has been one of the, the to <laughs> me, it's been entertaining because it started that Georgia was getting everybody. And then it was turned around and Clemson was getting everybody. Then Alabama got Bryce Young and Alabama was getting everybody. And now LSU's getting everybody. I've said it a million times, those schools have always been competitive. Georgia was competitive before Kirby Smart. LSU was competitive on the recruiting trail before uh, um, Coach O got there. But certainly they're 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 doing great because Kirby and uh, Ed Orgeron are, are great head coach recruiters, as is Dabo, as is Nick Saban. So they're going to win some, they're going to lose some. But I think that's just par for the course. I still think they have a chance to finish with a pretty elite class. And even if it ended now, it's 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 really a fantastic class. And it's a fantastic class for the reasons you outlined. Certainly difference makers on defense when you talk about perimeter defenders. But in this era, right, I mean, perception largely is about what you get done at the quarterback position. And and not just from a perception standpoint, from a real tangible vantage point, when you get a guy like Bryce Young in the fold with transition expected at the quarterback position, that sort of provides you with the carryover, at least, again, from a perception standpoint. Although you hear some national talking heads and pundits that obviously don't keep up with recruiting all that much, and they start connecting dots with this run at Alabama, Tim, and they say, well, two is on his way out. This Alabama defense isn't what it's been. Uh, I, I'm sure for someone like you that that – Obviously, it's it's what you do on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute basis with recruiting. I, I, I got to think you get a little chuckle out of that because you know you know what's coming, and a lot of people don't. Yeah, I think the perception thing is huge, like you said. Like you remember, Alabama got Julio Jones on National Signing Day, and nothing else mattered that day. Nothing else mattered. They got that guy. You know, Alabama's looking at now. Bright. If we were still able to talk about Bryce Young. If we were still able to talk about Drew Sanders and some of these guys, and they committed on National Signing Day, I think the perception would be Alabama would possibly be a number one class. FSU used to do this under Bobby Bowden when I first started, better than anybody. They would have a Tuesday, they would have them trickling down in a row for five or six days, and then on National Signing Day, they'd hit three or four. All that positive momentum, they set it up. Well, now you don't. Now you just want to get the kids under. You know, you want to get the kids committed, and you want to start re- recruiting because now Bobby Bowden didn't really have to worry about the next class right away. And those coaches now, these guys are offering eighth graders, ninth graders, tenth graders. I mean, it, 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 recruiting for them for real is 365 days a year. What are we talking about right now in terms of potential spots that are left, and what looks to be a 
a pretty crowded bus uh, already uh, of committed guys and, and looking ahead to this early period, Tim. Yeah, I think we're looking four or five more guys, and that could change. You know, with Nick Saban, you know, you know, we you've been you've seen this question for the last you know 12 years or so is that how will the numbers work out? And I mean, you know, we've always said the same thing. We don't know. All I know is they will work out. You know, so Saban always has some kind of plan to figure out to get the guys in he wants to. I still think they want to add another wide receiver, an offensive lineman, uh, a defensive lineman like a McKinley Jackson, and there's other guys, in a, and you know, probably be a a defensive back. So there's, they've narrowed it down sort of to their needs position. I think they've taken some extra guys, some luxury guys, but they're going to have, and that's been the case all year, they're going to turn down top 100 talent to finish his class more than likely. They've had to turn down some highly ranked guys already. They just weren't ready to take, and they had higher guys on the board. So um, I think the class, you know, the class, regardless, is going to be a pretty uh, highly rated class. How much star power? is still out there potentially on the Alabama board when we talk about those remaining spots, because whereas to the coaching staff and to a lot of us, you know, yeah, you, you want to have the number one class. You want to have as many five stars as you can obviously accumulate. Uh, but you also want to have the right guys too, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it has to fit because we talked about before the last couple of years, five stars haven't, equated to guys that have been in the program all that long the character makeup some of those things down the stretch here how much does that factor into it when you just have a few slots remaining uh i think it factors in a lot you know alabama's lost three pretty high profile uh recruits five stars to the transfer portal in the last couple of years so i think alabama's looking for guys i mean if you it's hard to come into alabama to start as a true freshman so those guys like Alfano and Anoma and Scooby Carter, they're going to have to pay their dues. And, I mean, the, you know, if you're good enough, we've seen it a million times with Nick Saban, Minka or whoever has came in and started as a freshman. There's guys ahead of you that he trusts more they're going to play. So I think they're trying to get those guys that don't need instant gratification, guys that don't need to start right away, guys more that buy into a program. And let's be honest, you got to be a special kind of athlete to be ready to play as a true freshman at Alabama or any major school, LSU, Georgia, you can run down the list of, of schools. you got to be a special kind of athlete, not only physically but mentally. So a lot of these yeah. guys will be brought on a little bit slower. So these guys that want to come in and expect to play right away who aren't going to do the right thing, I think they're looking now more for warning signs and uh, trying to avoid those guys as much as possible. Because, they, you know, there were some warning signs about some of the guys who left. They were some good things, and they had, they had checked off and – Sounded off, and Alabama did their due diligence on guys like Alfano and and all those guys. And but obviously they hit a little roadblock, and mentally, you know, they just weren't prepared to be at Alabama. Yeah, you know, so often the ability to contribute early is equated to physical maturity, right? When in in reality, when you look back and you talk about the guys like Minka, like C.J. Mosley. It was the emotional and mental maturity that allowed them to do what they did so very early on in their Alabama careers. Speaking of Alabama careers, Tim, and it is the T. Watson TR podcast here presented by Built by Bama online podcast. Uh, the career potentially uh, being put to bed for Tua Tonga Vailoa at the University of Alabama. I know that's a situation that you've been able to grow closer to based on your ties to the Thompson High School community. Certainly, Talia went through that program 
here in recent years. Uh, the area in general over there in the Birmingham area, um, you know, just provide us with some insight, some thoughts on, you know, if in fact this is it for Tua, uh, sort of the impact all around that this guy has had on the program. Yeah, you know, as much as he's been on the field, and I'm, you know, maybe I'm getting sentimental with my old age. I usually don't, you know, get attached. What? Tim Watts? Tim Watts? Hold on. Do we have a breaking news sort of thing here? Tim Watts said he's getting sentimental. Come on, Tim. I said maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Possibly. Tua has made me reevaluate my emotional state at times. Uh, I just think the guy's impact on the field was fantastic. He did things that were just amazing. Um, but off the field, I mean, that's where the stories are the best. You see, I mean, you can see it. Just follow him on Instagram, the well wishes. I mean, the thing about it is it's not people just wishing him well wishes. It's people that have taken pictures with him that have hung out with. He is just that guy. You know what I mean? You know, I don't think foot, I don't think if he ever, yeah, I don't think he, I know this, I feel hundred percent confident saying he is going to be successful at 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 life he's going to win the game of life he's winning that for sure um he could be a great football player i still don't believe by any chance his career's over i think he's going to recover and possibly this this and you know this family's so big in the beliefs you know and it's not it's they are legitimately believing their beliefs and god has a plan i think that he this could they could see this as a positive i found it interesting nick saban not surprising but interesting nick saban said he called to cheer up two and two ended up cheering him up and, you know, the thing about it is that anxiety when he was injured was really bad across the entire Alabama nation. And not just Alabama nation, it was other schools and national sports writers. And here this guy is showing us a piece of he's okay with Instagram posts and trying to dance, you know, in a, in a hospital bed, playing the ukulele and showing pictures of his family. He still let everybody in, and I think he did that to give everybody a little bit of peace of mind. Uh, so, terrific. Football player-wise, I mean, the, the kid was fantastic. You know, I enjoyed watching him as much as as anybody. But I, I really think off the field, I just think that he was that kind of guy. And we knew that as a recruit. Everybody talks about the it factor. Um, I, I believe in the it factor. I don't believe it's a coincidence. Some people are better than other people and handle adversity better. And he just always had it, you know. And he came here, and it's been like a – if Hollywood wrote – me and you went and watched this movie – Second and 26. I mean, you're like, give us a break. Give us a break. That kid gets sacked again and throws a pick because it doesn't seem realistic that he walked into that game and won a national championship in that situation and everything else that's went on with him. So can't say enough about him and his family. Um, still think his brother's going to compete next year. I think he, he's going to give. I know I know the kind of competitor that kid is. He's going to compete for that job. He'll obviously have big you know, big challenge with Bryce Young and, and Mac Jones, who's going to get a lot of good experience here. So, um, you know, it's a sad moment, but I found it, I, I still just, it's such a two of move to make us feel better about his injury. You know, that's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah. And speaking of Talia, he's played now in four games. So the next game he plays in, he will not have that red shirt year available to him. I've been asked about this in recent days. I've talked about it in recent days, written about it on the round table and elsewhere on BamaOnline.com, Tim. Is there really as much of a value in redshirting a quarterback in today's game with the three and outs, with the transfer portal? Uh, is it really that valuable? And I guess what I'm asking is, 
How many fifth-year senior quarterbacks do you see around college football these days that started started their career at a place and are fifth-year seniors at that same place? It, it, uh, do, how much consideration do you give that today if you're I a coach? Fifth, I think the fifth-year senior stars you see are, are transfer portal guys. Right. You know, you don't right. see – I don't I don't think – I think that obviously Tali, I don't see how you can you, you cannot play him. In the Western Carolina game, you're a twisted ankle away from him running that offense. So I think you have sure. to play him. Um, I think the kid wants to play too, and I agree with you. I think the red shirt's overrated. I mean, a lot of these guys, they're there, especially when you go to Alabama. When you go to a certain level of school, Alabama success and the NFL and everything else, it's almost a football factory to some degree. So we hear these kids commit. When they commit, they say, I want to announce I'm spending my next three years at Alabama. That tells you the mindset they got going in. You know, they're going to yeah. get, get, get me on that field. I'm going pro coach. I can do it. So, you know, you got that. You got those guys. So I agree with you. I think you play him. Um, I think, you know, if Mac Jones hadn't taken, you know, been 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 more experienced and better this year, I think Talia would have played a lot. So as much as Mac played, I guess I should say. So I, I don't I agree. I think you play the guy and I think you play everybody. And also you run the risk when you don't play freshmen, you run the risk of them leaving. I mean, you yeah. run the risk of I'm not. They can't see the forest for the trees. They can't see that next year this is going to pay off for me. They just want to play, and I don't blame them. You're a high level athlete. You're a competitor. You just want to play. I get that. So I, I do. Either, yeah, I, I get to play me, or you know, or I'm gone. I mean, <laughs> when you look at the truly elite programs right now at the Power Five level, how many of them even have a redshirt sophomore backup quarterback? I mean, guys are bolting. Justin Fields. Uh, you, know, you look at other places. You look at Alabama in the not too distant past. Blake Barnett. You know, if these guys aren't legitimate factors by their second year, they're moving on out of program. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you give a whole lot of consideration to the whole you know, no, redshirt thing. It's gotten real easy. You know, I had a college coach tell, tell me this before. Uh, the season started at another school, and he said the transfer portal is going to make it really easy to quit. And yeah. we're seeing that. We're seeing Florida lost a kid that started like eight games, I think, and he hit the portal when he didn't start a game or two or something. So we're seeing, yeah. you know, Scoot Carter, who the Alabama staff was high on, he's headed, you know, he's headed out. Alfano never got on the field. You're seeing this. It's not just Alabama. It might seem isolated to Alabama, but that's happened at a lot of schools. I mean, Georgia lost a high-profile five-star linebacker who transferred to uh, Florida. For Alabama fans, it might seem like it happens more to Alabama, but it's happening everywhere. And so, this week, especially been, with with Western Carolina, you, you haven't played a guy like Ishmael Softshore all year, uh, the, the highly regarded freshman defensive lineman. This is a perfect place late in the season where he hasn't been involved you want to keep him engaged. You want to remain connected to him because he's going to be, in all likelihood, an important piece to the puzzle at some point down the road. This is a morale booster, right? A week like this where guys you can circle back and really get ready to play some meaningful reps in an actual game and still maintain that red shirt at positions more so other than quarterback. You know, lines of scrimmage are still areas of development, developmental positions, offensive line, defensive line, places where it's going to take some time usually for guys to get to the level where they can compete, uh, you know, with power five opponents. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of positives. I know, you know, the the fans don't enjoy weeks like this, but I think 
one of the benefits to coaches, uh, in addition to having a little bit of a break before you go into that that rivalry weekend on Thanksgiving weekend, is that you can circle back with some of these guys who haven't played a lot or your young players uh, and get them involved. Now, Tim, with Mac Jones stepping in there, I got a I got a simple question for you. Why can Alabama win with an emphasis on Auburn in two Saturdays down on the Plains? Why can Alabama win with Mac Jones at quarterback? I mean, you know, you look, and I don't want to take anything from anybody, but when you look around Mac Jones, he's got the same supporting cast that Talia did, and it is a very elite <clears throat> supporting cast. You look at an NFL running back, three NFL wide receivers. You're looking at four or five offensive linemen going to the NFL. He's got a ton of talent around him. And this guy, he's, you know, obviously going to Auburn, let me say, going to Auburn is no easy task. It wasn't going to be easy for Talia. It's never easy. Kevin Steele has a fantastic defense down there. Fast, they run, they hit. It's a great defense. So that's the biggest obstacle is going and facing that environment. Auburn's got a great environment on the road. Um, <clears throat> so to me, that's just his first big-time start, really, uh, against a big team is on the road at Auburn. I think that's the obstacle. But around him, you got a supporting cast that's fantastic, full of NFL guys. And you've got – an extra week or two to prepare here. He's got experience this year from when Tua went down earlier. So he's get more prepared now than, say, Tua had been healthy until the Mississippi State game. Because if he'd have just been thrown in the second half of Mississippi State, just had Western Carolina and Auburn, that would have, to me, it would have been a much harder task. But this is also a guy who's been on the scout team for, what, two years? Yeah. And he's been facing some pretty good defensive players along the way going against the Alabama ones on defense. So I think he's got a chance. Obviously it's not ideal. I do think he can be successful. Um, you know, it's not often Alabama signs a guy they don't think can play. And the guy's a competitor. I know the locker room loves him. And this is a guy that followed to, to, uh, uh, to it, Alabama. So he's got some, uh, he's got some moxie to him. You know, he followed the nation's number one quarterback basically to Alabama. So I think he's got a chance. Yeah. We've talked about it in the past. It's not a coincidence that a lot of the guys that do well in a program like Alabama's uh, come from programs at the prep level where the expectations and the standards were exceedingly high. And that was certainly the case for Mac Jones. And you know, it's not a coincidence that, that Alabama looks to those top programs more often than not uh, when, when, when on the recruiting trail. So I agree. I, I think maybe as much as anything – when you consider the Mac Jones dynamic at quarterback, the concern is that the defensive side of the ball right now with the defensive line injuries, I think Alabama can win with Mac Jones at quarterback in Auburn uh, in two Saturdays where I, that, that takes a hit for me is if Raquan Davis isn't able to go in that game. If DJ Dale is limited at best, you're still going to have to have a legitimate enough of a defensive effort. Whereas even with that situation, if you take Tua down there, I don't care who you put on the other side. Tua and that offense, they're going to get 30-plus against anybody they see. Um, you're not going to probably have that sort of leeway on offense with Mack in there. Uh, and that's why defensively, you really need to see some of these guys up front, these banged-up guys up front, maybe get back into the mix here sooner rather than later, at least maybe early in the practice week next week. Hey, uh, shifting gears a little bit here on the T Watts and TR podcast. I know Tim is a big baseball fan. I, I'm a kind of 
I'm a lukewarm baseball fan. I love baseball. I just I, I don't maybe put as much interest or focus into it. Um, but what about these Houston Astros, Tim? Are the no. Houston Astros the most gangster organization in all of sports right now with this cheating, outright cheating, Tim? I mean, I I wonder is this not Major League Baseball not the most crooked organization in the history of the world? I mean. These guys going back to the Black Sox, to Pete Rose, to Pete <laughs> to that. I mean, these guys are one scandal after the other. Yeah. I mean, it's one scandal. Yeah. And to see this and the evidence that's mounting, I don't think there's any doubt they're they're, they're in trouble. And they've obviously got – and that's the thing that's short-sighted. That's what got the Saints with their bounty gate. It's great when you got everybody on the same team doing that. But when you cut Johnny, Johnny's going to be pissed. So yeah. my – Fears turned out to fear. I don't know how you say his name. Turned out to be Johnny, and he told on him. So now you got somebody in the clubhouse admitting it. They got video proof. They got all these photos of this stuff. They got an email with the manager saying, "Hey, you know, let's start cheating." Is basically it should have that the the headline should have said, "Hey guys, let's start cheating." So I think they're going to get hammered. I don't know what Major League Baseball is going to do, but I mean, the thing that kills me is how good the Astros were. That lineup. Oh, yeah. Sick line. I mean, I saw. They don't it. need it. They don't I really saw, need it. This year, I saw Carlos Correa bat in seventh or eighth, and I thought, Lord, you know, goodness gracious. So they such a talented team to be cheating. They got two Cy Young winners over there. You know, had it. So they and they weren't there at the time, but you, they didn't need to cheat. Um, I got a feeling I'm a little bit different now. Like if you're on second base and you're trying to steal a signal and give it to your pitcher, I'm a little bit different about. I mean, your batter. I'm a little bit different because I can hit you in the head. You know, I can hit you in the knee or whatever I got to do to protect myself. But if they're looking in your dugout with video equipment and signal it through like they're the the super fan in the movie Major League hitting on a hitting on a drum to let me know if it's a change up, you know, and that's a big advantage. Are you getting a 97 mile an hour fastball or something dropping at your ankles? Yeah, it's the orchestration of the operation that the Astros apparently had going on in in employing technology and everything else. What you're talking about, if I'm on second base, if I'm a base runner on second, and I'm able to look in and you don't have kind of some decoy signals and things like that going on, and I'm able to tip off the hitter, that's on you. I call that, that to me is gamesmanship. But when you we start breaking it. out telescopic lenses and everything else and, uh, you know, sort of uh, you know, drum beats and stuff like that, 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 that goes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. That makes Bill Belichick look like Mr. Rogers. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate appreciate the method that went into getting this done. (laughs) And if they had applied that to other areas of their life, they would have been super even more successful than they are. I think that the, the effort was there. There's a lot of effort, you know, to, 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 yeah. to get all of that. And I would guess it goes on a little bit more, but I don't, I think the technology just changes it. And I don't know how you fix it. I was, I was talking to a friend. And are the me. Astros, are the Astros really the only team doing this, Tim? I, 
I don't. I think there's a. I there, think there's more than just the Astros. I, I think there's not many doing it to this level. Right. Uh, I would be surprised. I think there's been rumors of other teams doing it. Maybe two or three, four, whatever. Then I think there's probably ten or twelve that do it a little more strenuous. There've been talking about people standing on the fence in the outfield with their hands up to signal the pitch and all that. But I think for the most part they're not doing it because I just I just don't think you can keep the secret. You can't. You know, some. You can't have 40 guys in a dugout plus right. everybody because when you fire the secretary, he's or he or she's mad, liable to tell you know tell a news reporter. I just yeah. think this would come out more often. I just don't I don't understand it. I think maybe they ought to go to some kind of system with earpieces if they could play in them, sort of like the NFL does with a helmet to to signal it in. But it's obvious, you know, this isn't going kind of like kind of like the dead presidents in Point Break. You know, you just had too many people involved yes. in the bank robberies. Yes. You know, sooner or later, you were going to become easier and easier to infiltrate like Johnny Utah did in Point Break, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and some would say where the Astros are concerned, some very questionable morals and ethics in that organization in general. Uh, th- this almost seems like uh, some poetic justice, perhaps, coming back around to bite the Astros uh, in some ways. Hey, uh, you know what else we're getting ready for? Man, we're just uh, we're a little more than a week away from Thanksgiving, Tim. I mean, you know, and when I think Thanksgiving, you think Thanksgiving prep. Do you do you guys do y'all pregame Thanksgiving? I mean, is there sort of a a checklist for Tim and, and the Watts family that the uh, procedural almost traditional uh, and how you go about uh, getting ready for the big day a week from tomorrow. I'm going to say this with no shame. <laughs> and my wife does it all. She might tell me to go get a pie. She might tell me she needs aluminum foil, but she go loves the honey baked ham. Yeah. Yes. I might have to run and get that, some peppermint snack or whatever I'm getting. She does it all. She loves it. She preps for it. When I married her, uh, she wasn't a big cook. We ate out. We're like a lot of single couple, you know, early married couples. We ate out a lot. And all that. But she's turned into everybody. You know, a lot of the, our main relatives come here. She she throws a feast. She throws a feast. She hardly lets anybody else bring anything. So she'll do all the work. Um, she loves it. Now, she's got a prep list. Now, she'll be up flipping that turkey at two in the morning and all that stuff that annoys me. But she does it all. I can't take any credit for it. But it's a huge spread. Yeah. Is there like, you know, obviously the turkey is the centerpiece. But it, when it comes to the sides, is there one sort of non-negotiable centerpiece side uh, that you guys have each and every year. The one side item that has to be there on Thanksgiving. I, I'm a dressing guy. Yeah. And it's got to have that niblet gravy. Or, or, and it's got to, it's got to, I'm a dressing guy. I could, I'll, I'll eat it till um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up. I mean, you yeah. have to hide it from me. I love it. Um, it. It, I can eat a little bite of that with anything else as we go along. I like a good deviled egg. Um, for the most part, but otherwise I'm pretty simple. You know, it's pretty much me going for meat and a little bit of gravy. What about cranberry sauce? Is it trash or is it, uh, or is it legit in your opinion? I've never understood it. Have you ever seen it come out? It comes out of the can, like the can still around. Yes. It's still sitting there full throttle. I've never been into it. Now I will say this. I've had a sandwich or two from like a Panera bread that did like a Thanksgiving sandwich wife did and they'd had a little cranberry on it and it was perfect that cranberry but i'm not one to eat it on thanksgiving do you like it 
No, no. I mean, cranberry sauce, when I'm going through the sort of layout, you know, and I'm putting the plate together, cranberry sauce may as well be like 1040 motor oil sitting in a saucer. That that has as good a chance of getting on my plate as cranberry sauce. I'm, I'm with you. I just like, yeah, that's nice. And I just keep right on, keep right on, uh, keep right on moving. I'll tell you, man, we're, we're, we're hurting over here in Tuscaloosa, though, because... You know, we talk about sauces and things like that, and gravy. Uh, that's that's my thing with cranberry sauce, too. Why do I need cranberry sauce when I've got this uh, giblet gravy or something? You know what I mean? That yeah. I can put on everything on the plate. I take that's, the gravy and put it on everything. Even the damn pecan pie gets some gravy on it. Yes, it's and you know what? Turkey, for me, I like turkey, especially when it's moist, but it's hard to keep moist. You reheat, you reheat that thing, it gets dry quick. You add that gravy on top of it. It evens it out. It's a nice, you know, blends together good. But I agree. Yeah. Cranberry's like, I don't want to, on Thanksgiving, I don't want to eat anything that's going to unnecessarily take a spot in my belly. Cranberry so, isn't part of the dinner, and it's not a dessert. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of Switzerland. What, what's the point of it? I, you know, I think, there's no purpose to cranberry sauce. I think if we looked into it there, we would find out there's some great in yeah. the past, been some great ad campaign that made us think we needed it. Marketing, and then our, absolutely. Our mothers yeah. did it and the mothers before them did it, so we keep doing it. Um, you know what? I don't. I'm gonna talk to my wife. I think we're going no cranberry. BYO. Zero tolerance. Cranberry. We're going, we're going BYOC. Bring your own cranberry if you need it, because we will not provide cranberry this year. The only cranberry you'll have uh, involved in my Thanksgiving. It'll be the cran. I'll do a cranberry juice with the uh, Tito's vodka. I'll do that for you. Maybe that's how I'll incorporate cranberry this year. Too. Yeah. There you go. I'll just put it in the uh, with the Tito's vodka at about about four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that. That'll work for you. <laughs> but with sauces, man, we took a big hit over here, and we've talked about sauces in the past. But you know, my very favorite sauce is the creamy jalapeno from Chewy's. And the Chewy's here at Tuscaloosa closed in the I last saw, week. I saw, I saw in your wife. Brutal, you, man. Yeah. She, about it. She, yeah, last night she did a, uh, she did some homemade tostadas with some smoked chicken and, uh, she, she pulled it off, but man, uh, I'm hurting. You know, yeah. that, that creamy jalapeno, that's, that's at the top of my list. I'll tell you another one I found out about here recently. I didn't know about is that sweet and spicy sauce at Chick-fil-A. I, I had that for the first time here in a few weeks, and uh, big sauce guy. What about you? You like the sauces, Tim? I'll tell you one thing. Um, Louisiana hot sauce, I can put that on just about anything, any kind of meat. Um, me, I'm a little bit more plain, but that, that chewy stuff is great. I had my wife make it. We were at a travel baseball tournament the first time I had it, and I'm that guy when I'm they're like, let's go to Chewy's, and I'm like, is it any good? And 10 people are like, you've never been to Chewy's? I'm getting yelled at. I'm always <laughs> – I'm always that guy, like I'm supposed to bend to all these places, and so uh-huh. we. And when I had that, my wife ordered it, and I, I, I devoured it. Oh yeah, everything. It's like Thanksgiving it was, gravy. It was amazing blend. I mean, I was so full, I doubt I even ate what I ordered, but it was fantastic. But she made, it, and it's pretty close. I mean, I, I, I like it. I think it was. I'll tell you this with, with your wife. We made it, and then we we had leftovers and left it in the fridge. The next day, it was better than the first it's day. Better, yeah. So I think that jalapeno and everything yes, kind of yes. comes together, right? Yes, and my wife cooks a few things like white bean chili that she cooks or a taco, soup, and then yeah. she she cooks it and lets it sit for a day. And it, it it's hard; you want to eat it right away. But 
she tries to hide it. So it's good that second day. Spaghetti sauces like that, man. Yeah, when you can give it some it just time. Sits, it, sits, it just sits in and blends together more. That creamy jalapeno, though, at Choi's, it's the Tex-Mex equivalent of yum-yum sauce at the uh, hibachi. It really yeah. is, man. Shrimp sauce. You love, you love that, don't you? Oh, gosh. I put it on Brazen Brand. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, as we wrap up as we wrap up with T-Watts and T-R here on the Built by Bama online podcast, a uh, little NBA talk as we go out the door. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, Tim. Back in the league. Now, are you old enough that you covered Carmelo as a recruit before he uh, went and spent some time there at Syracuse? Uh, I, I never. I was out at the tournaments, but his were so packed. I never went and saw. Uh, I didn't need to see him play. You know, we knew how good Carmelo Anthony was. He's one of those guys that falls in that LeBron uh, and the crowd that followed those guys. I mean, Carmelo was a big deal. I mean, he was a he was a big deal, and he's. Uh, apparently still a big deal. You know, I don't, I don't understand how he wasn't good enough to play last year. He's good enough to play this year. Um, I think his prime is obviously passed, <laughs> but I guess Portland's desperate. I mean, you know, he went out there last yeah. night, had five fouls. He's going to have to get into play in shape, but you know, for me, I'm sort of like you, I think we've discussed it. It's hard for me to see those guys who were really great at one point sort of trickle down in their career. You know, it's sort of like watching Brett Favre where you sort of felt bad, you know, watching them um, as they trickle. And I sort of felt that watching Carmelo against my Pelicans last night. You know, I sort of felt like, dang, dude. You're right, though. That's kind of where the trailblazers are out. I mean, Damian Lillard's out with the back issue right now. Uh, Joseph Nurkic is out. Paul Gasol is out. It's kind of C.J. McCollum, and that's it. So uh, The NBA sits so many players I played fantasy basketball. Load it, management. Yeah, I'm, load I'm, management. I look up in my roster, and there will be eight guys with injured, out, or, or GTP, <laughs> or whatever it is, beside their name. I mean, yeah. they are. it's not just load managing, you know. I mean, it is It is on the verge of babying them, you know. I mean, there's yeah. everybody can't need a game off every two days. Some of these kids are 23 years old. You they know? are. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I get Kawhi. And I get Paul George coming off injuries and surgeries. And I even get LeBron, if that happens to him, unbelievable freak athlete. But getting on up in there, you want those guys healthy at the end of the year. You don't care about them now. But then again, if you, you know, you go to an NBA game, um, I'm taking the family to New Orleans uh, before New Year's and haven't bought my tickets and want to the last minute because I'm waiting to see who's playing before I Zion. Is Zion going to play? That's what I'm saying. These guys could be sitting out. I'm not going to pay you know, $230 for a decent ticket per ticket and have all those guys sit out. And the NBA doesn't adjust, but you know who adjusts? Ticket price is StubHub. So you wait, <laughs> the you ticket wait till man. Yeah, yeah, you wait till the end and you find out who's playing and who's not playing. And, you know, it, it helps you. They just said, I get it. 82 games is a lot of games. It's a lot of wear and tear. Um, you know, I get it. But it's, it's, it's at an all-time high where it's almost wondering if they shouldn't shorten the season. You know, if they want to do away with this load management, they should make Vince McMahon the uh, commissioner of the NBA because these WWE wrestlers, there's no such thing as load management with those guys. Whether it's a pay-per-view, whether it's Monday Night Raw, whether it's Friday Night SmackDown, whether it's a dark match in Meridian, Mississippi, 
the stars go each and every night in the WWE, baby. Just make Vince the commissioner of the NBA. What about that, Tim? You know, you, yeah, no, I mean, no, for real, those guys. And then you see those, the best story. <laughs> I'm not a wrestling guy, although I got into it briefly. We lived in Orlando for a few years, and it was huge. Like, you could go down, oh, down yeah. the you could go down to the neighborhood next to yours, and they'd be fighting in the front yard in the cage they had made. Um, they had a lot of. Re- I mean, I was. I'd watch as a thirteen-year-old going. I'm not so sure that's fake. That, guy, <laughs> that guy's got to get stitches. That don't look. I mean, they were really. They were really doing some things at those cheap shows. But um, I'm not a huge fan. But dude, I tell you, I love those the 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 uh, documentaries I see on them. Oh, it's fake. I mean, when these guys sit down and say, you know, it's fake, and I mean, I forget who no. it was. It's a big dude. Um, Gotta respect and, those guys, and, and man. I, I tell you, the guy, the thing that blew my mind was my brother-in-law had his shoulder worked on up there at uh, Dr. Kane's office, and I was with him. And some wrestler walked by. You know his name? I think he was a pre- pretty boy, somebody, something. He had a really yeah. pretty Asian manager uh, girlfriend that was with uh-huh. him. He was there to have something looked at. Dude, he was. Uh, I, I at the time I was covering future top five NBA picks: Dwight Howard. Glenn Baby Davis and all those guys. And this guy walked in, and he is the most massive human being I've ever seen in my life. He was such a monster. Big, good-looking guy, long hair. um, I mean, he – I couldn't believe his size, man. It was unbelievable that he's out there even fake elbowing somebody in the head. You're right. The documentaries are great. The Andre the Giant documentary, incredible. if you don't love, I mean, I've seen several of those. Dude was drinking three cases of beer on a flight from like New York to Chicago. You know, I love the story where he drank so much and he passed out in the hotel lobby, and people just walked around him the whole day till they woke up. Till he yeah. woke up, yeah. they did like they're like we didn't try to move him. Why would we try when we can't move him? Stories know? that are both amazing and unfortunately tragic it's, it's, in most yeah. instances with those it, guys. But you love those old stories. You know, you love an old Kenny Stabler, you know, sure. he's sitting in a uh, a bathtub full of ice and beer. You know what I mean? You love those stories. Dennis Quaid, the old school actor, leaving a famous Hollywood restaurant without his shoes on. Those guys, they endear us to us. You're right. They often end up tragic in ways. But uh, that old school, that old school way of doing stuff. And Andre was just a great guy. I mean, you can see that in the movie The Princess Bride. He was <laughs> he was just a good dude. You could tell. I mean, he was just a good dude with a smile and, you know, just a big old, you know, just happened to be a big old monster of a guy. Yeah, like Ken Stabler once said, there's nothing wrong with studying the game plan by the light of the jukebox. Hey, uh, Tim, I think we're good. What do you think? You got anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, you know, I just think Alabama fans should enjoy it, enjoy the Thanksgiving and you know, I look forward to seeing what this offense looks like this week. I still expect them to do stuff and, and still be a little bit vanilla, save something for Auburn. Sure. Um, you know, wish all the, you know, we we should talk to them before Thanksgiving, but I know it was a tough time this week. I saw uh, a, a lot of emotions about Tua. I know he touched a lot of people. Um, I talked to people, friends of mine, text people I don't know, you know, were sending me messages about how much he meant to them. So um, I know it was a rough time for Alabama fans this week. Yep, it is. It has been. Uh, and, and hopefully maybe two will be there Saturday because it should have been should have been. He deserved to have that moment Saturday where in about the second quarter at some point, maybe a series into the second quarter with Alabama already comfortably ahead mid series, you substitute him out for Mac Jones and he's able to sort of soak in that 
adulation and admiration and respect well, one last hey, time as a player. That's a good point. Will he be back in Tuscaloosa for Saturday? I don't know for sure. That I know would be, after the that surgery. Would be a, that would be one hell of a uh, moment before. He told, or he, he told Nick Saban before the surgery he was excited about being at the game Saturday. Now, you know. That's basically, that would basically be his senior. It would be a lot of guys who aren't senior senior day, but I think that would yeah. be a special moment to bring him out there. Um, I'd like to see the response to that. I imagine it's going to be pretty much overwhelming. And you're going to have a handful of juniors on Saturday that may very well be making their final appearances yeah, at Bryant Denny Stadium. A lot, of, a lot of talent. Yeah. But Tua is, is, is expected back in Tuscaloosa. And now with, with injuries like his, the severity of which, you know, is, is obviously immense. They don't waste time getting these, these, uh, these individuals into rehab. You know, it's not a situation where, you go through the injury, you go through the surgery, and you sit around for two weeks till you feel better to go to rehab. No, they get you right into rehab. Oh, so. yeah. They, I mean, you know, the thing that was interesting going, you know, we didn't really touch on his draft status, but we saw injuries to like Jalen Smith, the uh, Notre Dame linebacker. Sure. And what, what was the kid's name? Um, he's at Jacksonville for UCLA that got hurt. The linebacker, isn't he at Jacksonville? Miles Jack. Miles yep. Jack. So here's two guys that were expected to go top. Their linebackers, you know, they were projected top 10, but they were certainly going top 20 who fell to the early part of the second round. So I would think along those lines, two is going to go somewhat, you know, higher. I never thought two was going number one overall. I don't think any quarterback's going number one overall, um, although the Bengals are going to make it. But, yeah, I mean, there's just a couple of guys I think they're safer, although the Bengals, you know, obviously could be a crapshoot. But you got, uh, you know, this, 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 again, this could be one of those blessings for the guy. I mean, if you're the Patriots – if you're the Saints and what you, you yeah, I was gonna say, what about your Saints? You don't. I mean, you, I mean me without a doubt. Even if he got a left-handed Drew Brees sitting there, yeah, potentially. Even if, he, even if he can't play next year, even if he's right. not 100%, you redshirt him. You let him sit under Drew a year or two longer, yeah. and then you know you, you you know you put him out there after his redshirt year. You know you let him get a little experience, and then eventually, eventually Drew's gonna retire. So. Um, and the Patriots are in the same boat, and there's other teams. You know, Pittsburgh Steelers are another one. How long yeah. can a Big Ben and Tom and Drew play? Chargers with yeah, uh, Philip Rivers. They've already Phil. had they've already had epic careers. They've exceeded mm-hmm. as good as highly as they thought of. Those guys have all exceeded expectations, playing the length they have through the injuries they have. So I don't. I think if he wants to go pro, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, it just depends on where he's at mentally. I think he loves college. For sure, but I think Tua loves everything. You know, I think Tua is hard to put him in a situation where he's not happy. Yeah, there you so. go. Well, yeah, man, it's been fun. We've kind of gone all over the place, which we usually do here on T Watts and TR, but uh, no structure. No structure. We're structure free. Although we did learn today that it's a more sentimental Tim Watts these days. No, we so. learned it was maybe. <laughs> I've got that on tape. I've got that. Yeah, I've got that. I have to hack the computer and edit something. (laughs) I can't trust you, Travis. No. I mean, after 20 years. 20 years, you still think you can trust me? Come on. 20 years, and I finally slip up. You've been waiting 20 (laughs) years. This guy's going to do it. I'm waiting. All right. It's a good one. Yeah, enjoyed it, man. See you guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll be there at the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. We'll have you covered. Uh, front 
front to back to top to bottom when it comes to Alabama athletics. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you for joining us here on the T. Watts and TR podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.